Hello and welcome to this month's episode of Ziva Talks. Today I'm delighted to be joined by my friend and former classmate Elizabeth O'Hagan. She's a community pharmacist with a passion for integrative health and lifestyle to explore the topic of the anti-inflammatory diet. We'll briefly touch on some of the key food groups and some of the anti-inflammatory properties and medicinal benefits of the foods we discuss as well as touching on some simple ways we can begin to make some small changes that can make big differences to how we feel and function in the long run. Hi Sarah, thank you so much for having me here today. Um, it's my first podcast, so this is quite cool. <laughs> um, no, but it is great to be able to discuss something I'm passionate about and to try share some information and hopefully simplify something that could be quite overwhelming. You know, we hear what we should eat, what we shouldn't eat, and it can be quite confusing sometimes. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I see it with customers coming into the pharmacy all the time that, you know, the do's and don'ts. But what people forget is food can be seen as medicine. It should be enjoyed. Um, we're very lucky to live in a world where we have so many so many options around us for food. Um, and yeah, just to explore the health benefits and how it can really impact your well-being. Yeah, I love that, Liz, because I think that we're very much moving away from an old mindset around food, uh, eating just to avoid illness. And I think that creates a lot of tension for people because they feel a bit fearful. Are they eating the right thing or the wrong thing? We're starting to steer focus more and more towards eating in order to thrive and feel better. And that real exploratory and kind of curious mindset or approach that you've just mentioned so rather than trying to fixate on finding what's the right thing or the right way um, but really experimenting and exploring what helps you as an individual to feel better in conjunction with following kind of proven or you know general principles or guidelines that are out there that have been shown to be beneficial for people. Yeah, exactly. And the anti-inflammatory diet has been proven. Um, as we know, we've studied it. Um, and yeah, let's just share what we know. Yeah, and, absolutely. and yeah, it won't be too heavy. <laughs> Keep it nice and simple. But um, hopefully by the end of the, the show, people will feel like they might have a, a couple of new ideas to take forward, uh, take away from it and um, implement small, simple lifestyle changes that will be sustainable Sustainable. yeah absolutely yeah so to start for any listeners maybe who aren't familiar with the anti-inflammatory food pyramid um it's largely based on many of the national healthy eating guidelines you'd be familiar with so the usual culprits you know high in whole foods so our fruit and veg making up a large portion of what we consume and healthy whole grains Where it begins to differ is it leans much more towards the Mediterranean diet and thereby includes a lot of olive oil and healthy oils, as well as elements of the Asian food pyramid. And this is where people maybe are less familiar with certain foods, especially various herbs and spices that have been proven to have a very anti-inflammatory effect in the body and support the body going back into homeostasis and Mm -hmm. finding balance. So I sometimes use the comparison where added sugars, saturated fats and salts are like the proverbial poker stoking at the fire, causing that strain and inflammation burn Mm -hmm. up in the body, that the anti-inflammatory diet is full of foods 
that actually have that counter effect, mm-hmm. that have that dampening effect and really support us finding balance again. And the the Asian foods, like traditional Chinese medicine, you know, they're so medicinal and they've been used for thousands and thousands of years um, and they're readily available too. So it's cheap. cheap. Yeah, it's just to know where to go and what to, yeah. what to use in what recipe even, like how to use them. Build confidence. Yeah. yeah. Actually, actually, there was a blog published last week. Oh, really? Yeah, we have a healing herbs and spices blog that was published recently on the Zebo. Oh, I must Is check it? that out. Yeah. And so should the listeners. <laughs> Get it in there. And I just note at this point uh, that Liz is on her way back from a weekend surfing in Clare. <laughs> so, yeah, just for context. <laughs> so this is wonderful that you're here today. So you mentioned about the Chinese elements um, or the Asian food pyramid and um, a lot of the components, apart from the herbs and spices, would be the feature of medicinal mushrooms, such as shaga mushrooms, maitake, um, cordyceps. There's, there's many different forms of these Asian mushrooms that have a very interesting nutritive profile and I know will be coming to the fore more and more mm-hmm. in years to come um, because, again, of this powerful anti-inflammatory, antioxidative and um, harmonizing effect that they can have. Yeah, the mushrooms are really interesting because what when we were studying our course, um, what really struck me was when you think about where a mushroom grows, and how it survives in really difficult conditions. Like it might not have access to sunlight. You know, it's usually around trees which have roots taking up most of the nutrients from the soil, yet the mushroom still survives and thrives and grows. So in order for it to survive, it has built up this innate armor and is full of phytonutrients, which has like they've been proven to be so beneficial for health and are really hugely influential in the anti-inflammatory diet i love the way you've described that and it's yeah it it hadn't struck me quite so much until Mm -hmm. you 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 mentioned that there and i know paul stamitz has done extensive work on um mushrooms and the mycelium that connects them underneath Mm. the the profound properties not only the biochemical and as he said the phytonutrients but also other dimensions of these food groups that they're not an animal they're not a plant so you know they're their own unique category but this is certainly one of those things that really stands out in the anti-inflammatory food pyramid it has its place and is acknowledged to to consume and weave in these asian mushrooms so people can benefit from the health properties and you can eat them fresh but equally you can get powdered forms and there's many different applications which we can mention briefly at the end Mm And like using the mushrooms in food and cooking is so tasty as well. Yeah, like, absolutely. Yeah, so there. I remember you messaging me after you made your first uh, mushrooms. Oh, mushroom. Yes, yeah, it was a stir fry, and you were delighted. And I think you that shiitake mushrooms. Yes, stir fried them. Yeah. They were so good. Yeah, you were so delighted with it. Comments of say the Asian food pyramid that we maybe are less familiar with would be uh, soy. Uh, protein features there and a lot of people hear soy and there was conflicting research about it in recent times and uh, some some people certainly don't tolerate it so well Mm -hmm. Um, but for people who do tolerate soy it's a highly nutritious um, uh, source of protein but key factor is 
how it is produced and how it's been manufactured and sourced, like anything, like any food. So this is one thing, I guess, this is what we're seeing with the rise of plant-based foods and meat alternatives, that actually a lot of them are highly, highly processed. And just because it's plant-based uh, doesn't mean it isn't uh, full of you know, all these Yeah. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's healthy. Exactly. And I think we do often think that, or yeah. that's the way it's marketed to. Certainly. And the same as with soy. And I remember being in a kitchen at hands monastery back in 2015, and the nuns used to make their own tofu. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it was fresh. Like, it was just amazing. So I guess just saying to listeners that there's a lot of factors to take into account when you're considering a food group um, and sourcing it absolutely yes. and and the quality of how it's produced so high quality soy-based product products tofu tempeh can be really rich um valuable forms of protein yeah if mushrooms and soy isn't getting anyone too excited <laughs> there's also other elements of uh, the anti-inflammatory diet that maybe people are more excited about mm-hmm. such as dark chocolate mm-hmm. and red wine <laughs> Yeah, the dark chocolate, they usually say kind of 70% plus for the health benefits. Um, and also, like, I think if it's less than that, it's really hard to not eat too much of it. Absolutely. <laughs> if you want to keep it to, like, maybe a square or two in the evening. Um, but it is quite satisfying if you're in that space in the evening where you want something nice and you're like, oh, trying to be healthy or good, and what we term as good. Um, but the dark chocolate actually has health benefits, believe it or not. Um, it's a really good source of magnesium. Mm. And magnesium is linked with, uh, it's really important for our muscle function, even the muscle in our heart. Um, and it's also uh, great for helping people who are struggling to sleep. Um, so it does have its benefits yeah. and its place. <laughs> and you can enjoy it too. A little bit of dark chocolate. And also, uh, a small amount of red wine has been shown to have cardiovascular benefits yeah the tannins in red wine have been shown to have cardiovascular benefits as you said and um, it is in moderation absolutely um, this is where it's quite similar to the mediterranean diet actually because if you think about like south of italy they have their red wine and their you know their fish and their olive oil and all that and um, but the red wine like one Last yeah. a day, yeah, and not even every day. Not every day. Yeah. Um, and I think it also resveratrol in the red grape. Um, again, another potent phytonutrient for the anti-inflammatory. Have the anti-inflammatory effect, yeah. absolutely, and has been attributed to what was once called the French paradox. Did you ever hear about that? No. <laughs> I think it ties in with the dark chocolate, okay. wine-loving, yeah, and yet has these health properties and helping people to um, maintain more weight mm-hmm. so other key parts you mentioned olive oil and I think this is an area again that kind of causes people confusion and people can tend to be fearful around fats especially if they're focused on weight loss yeah um many people are very well aware of the idea of like good fats versus bad mm-hmm. that we hear thrown around but it is of course like all things more complicated than that unfortunately mm-hmm. But what we are aware of is the importance of weaving more of these healthy fats into our diet. And this can be a little bit daunting for people, especially if they're focused on weight loss Mm -hmm. and they're fearful around consuming excessive calories. 
So some guidelines from the anti-inflammatory diet. Again, overarching principle, but to consume about five to seven portions of oils throughout the day. And to give you an example of what a portion would be, like two walnuts would be a portion, a teaspoon of extra virgin olive oil would be a portion, mm -hmm. perhaps as part of your dressing on your salad. Mm -hmm. So some people might hear five to seven portions and just mm -hmm. be like, oh my goodness. And this is one, again, of those areas where this does differ from, say, for example, in Ireland, the National Healthy Eating Guidelines don't feature oils so heavily. Mm -hmm. So for people who maybe are a bit um, curious to learn more about this, and especially those who maybe have health concerns as well. Yeah, don't be afraid of olive oil. When you're shopping for olive oil, make sure it's the extra virgin olive oil. That is important. Um, but olive oil is it's a great source of omegas. And we know that omega is very important in cardiac function, our mental cognitive function, and also plays a huge role in uh, our cholesterol levels. So we need fats in our diet too. And it's all about finding balance and keeping that ratio there. So like fat-free diet is actually not recommended at all. Yeah, absolutely. And we find that Sometimes certain food groups get almost demonized, you know, mm. uh, especially certain carbohydrates. But like everything can have its place and have its time. Yeah. But certainly the evidence is suggesting, especially for health and longevity, that it is important for us to consume um, these healthy fats and weave them into our diets. Zevo is a fully integrated workplace wellbeing provider. We understand that every company has different goals, needs and characteristics. Our team of psychologists, performance nutritionists and experts in the field of physical health conduct in-depth research and thereafter develop and tailor strategic corporate wellbeing programs based on the outcome for each organisation. Our health and wellbeing technology helps take the pulse of your employees' wellbeing needs and promote positive engagement in your organisation's wellbeing programs, encouraging them to move, nourish and inspire. Our broad range of services, available both online and on-site, are designed to improve employees' overall wellbeing and increase engagement within the workplace. We aim to create the healthiest workplace across the globe to ensure that your most important assets, your employees, are energised and thriving. Contact us today to start your workplace wellbeing journey. www.zebohealth.com So another great natural source of our healthy fats is oily fish. And there is, again, a rule of thumb principle. And these are, of course, as well featured in the National Healthy Eating Guidelines is one to two portions of oily fish a week. Um, so there's a simple acronym that can be useful to reference. Love an acronym. So our salmon, mackerel, anchovies, sardines, and herring. So again, uh, we're lucky again in, in Europe that we tighter regulation around food production in America, I think it is more of an issue to really be aware of where you're sourcing your oily fish. Yeah. Because if you imagine contaminants such as mercury, as we're aware, and uh, various toxins um, can be uh, dense in some oily fish. Yeah, so, we are lucky in Europe. Yeah, yeah, very lucky. So just being aware again, I know we, we're hammering that point home with the olive oil and the soy, but the same applies, just being aware of where you're sourcing these foods and not just assuming because something should be healthy that it is.
Yeah, and um, if if you're kind of listening, thinking I really, really don't like fish, it's okay. Um, you can get omega supplements in any pharmacy. Um, my tip for buying any omega supplement, uh, it's the omega three we're focusing on. Um, you would want to be looking at something that is that's about a thousand milligrams, and have a look on the box the amount of EPA versus DHA. Um, you ideally want more EPA than DHA and they're part of your omega-3s. So yeah, there are lots of options for that. More EPA is a very good brand. I'm not sponsored. <laughs> yeah, no, I remember doing my master's and a doctorate student came in to talk to us and uh, she had been researching EPA for years and it had cured her arthritis. Yeah. And uh, yeah, she wasn't in any way um, brand ambassador <laughs> no, and uh, so I definitely know that but just for anyone who maybe is vegan yeah um algae based supplements yeah another alternative yeah more EPA actually do have a vegetarian and vegan option as well because yeah. I know even with gelatin and capsules a lot of the omega fish oils would be capsule based they enclose the oil yes and just so we're definitely not brand ambassadors there's also Eskimo oil and yeah which they have a children's range as well oh brilliant yeah and is there Farman Farman is another really good brand as well Um, you know some of them can seem very expensive uh to be honest there are loads of brands of it just keep an eye on the milligrams and the EPA versus DHA you want more EPA and look for around a thousand milligrams on the box Excellent. Right. Thank you so much. <laughs> so to learn more about any of the elements we've talked about, um, you can. there's a lot of open source, free, accessible information online about the anti-inflammatory diet. Um, Dr. Andrew Weil on his website goes into much greater depth about the different food groups and how to begin to weave them in. Yeah, you'll find the food pyramid on his website as well. And that's Weil. It's spelled W-E-I-L. Yeah. Andrew Weil. Um, and you know we're probably not pronouncing it correctly. I never know how to pronounce it. Is it wheel or why? <laughs> we were one of the few. We were one of the few Irish people on yeah. our course at the time, yeah. and uh, all the Americans. Wild was wild. Wild. <laughs> we must ask him. But um, you can check that out there. Um, so just let's talk maybe a little bit about how to begin uh, weaving some of these. Uh, healthy eating principles into our daily lives because I think this is a barrier a lot of people are confronted by where we can have the best of intentions especially on a Monday or Tuesday and then the momentum of busy lives kicks in Mm -hmm. and when we're tired or overwhelmed it's so much easier to go for fast quick and usually where we're going to get the greatest instant gratification in the form of sugar or fast foods and over-processed foods which basically take out the goodness of the food absolutely so it's again that proverbial poker on the fire a lot of those yeah uh, when it comes to like inflammation in the body those overprocessed foods uh, fan the flames yeah and have a huge role in inflammation and you shared something really interesting with me before we went on we went live and that was about the prevalence of people consuming ppis so antacids mm-hmm. um so could we just talk, I know we've spoken a bit about like what to eat on the anti-inflammatory diet. If you'd like to share a little bit about like how people are eating. Yeah, that's it. It's the how and um, huge, um, so many prescriptions that we see um, every day, multiple prescriptions. People are on long-term PPIs, which are proton pump inhibitors. So you might have heard of Nexium, 
azomeprazole, Lusec, they basically stop the overproduction of acid in the stomach. And, you know, for people that are suffering from heartburn, indigestion, um, if there are other reasons people can be on them. Sometimes it's to protect your stomach from other medication as well you know they they do have their place and their role but long-term use of ppis can have a negative impact and unfortunately heartburn and that indigestion is often caused from our lifestyle so like it wasn't really prevalent or around 50 60 years ago it's a very new disease like this esophageal reflux yes so how we eat really influences um, how our body can digest the food we are taking in. Um, a lot of people I see with customers, you know, they're maybe stressed with work. A lot of people eating on the go, which I was guilty of myself. As a pharmacist, you don't off, always get a break for lunch. You can be eating standing up. You can be eating, you know, while you're running around doing other tasks. And unfortunately, that can lead to this indigestion, um, stomach pains like bloating tension tension oh. and, you're, and you're not the only healthcare workers or, or sectors to be struck by this in recent years as well yeah so it's like what can we do then um just to be aware of when we're eating like you know are we sitting down at a table looking at the food we're eating noticing what we're eating and chewing our food a lot of us just inhale our food we sit down with our dinner, you're like watching Netflix or TV, you're mindlessly eating. You're not really paying attention to what you're eating. And that's when we miss our body's signals to say you've had enough or you're full. Like we miss these innate natural signals that, yeah, we're just losing that. And so the long-term effect of taking these antacids and PPIs, it can also have a negative effect on our absorption of minerals and vitamins. And yes. There's been lots of links, uh, studies showing links to uh, osteoporosis. Um, if you think about it, it makes sense because if you're kind of messing with the body's natural amount of acid in the stomach, we need acid in our stomach to break down the food we eat. Mm -hmm. We need to break down the food we eat so that our body can absorb nutrients it needs. If we're kind of altering this natural process. Long-term. Yeah, long-term. Yeah. Um, it will affect <laughs> That are being absorbed which then in turn can it's like a domino effect it can knock on that it can affect your bone health and all sorts of other yeah. issues in the longer term in the long term. what i absolutely love uh talking to you about is like that real appreciation for everything having its place and and so this is not in any way to say that antacids don't serve their purpose or are required at times but it's yeah. definitely acknowledging that when we start defaulting to something as a long-term fix for something yeah. that maybe it's only intended for like you need, temporary. We really should be looking at why, why am I having this heartburn and like what is the root cause? And if you can get the awareness of what's causing the issue in the first place, then you kind of have much more chance of finding a solution. So if it is stress, like what can you do? Could we do some breathing exercises? Could I make sure I sit down for my dinner um, at a table? You know, yeah. not just grab a sandwich on the go or eating in the car like it's actually make time and space for that so it's putting these buffers in place and not only considering what we're eating mm -hmm. as having an anti-inflammatory effect mm -hmm. but how, how we're, we're eating, eating where we're eating yeah why we're eating yeah and yeah to enjoy the food like appreciate it like 
like eating dinner times, it should be like a, a ritual, you know. Social connection. You yeah. lit up earlier when you said food should be enjoyed. Yeah. It's delicious. <laughs> Just briefly a little bit about the anti-inflammatory diet and weight loss. And I know we were out for a little walk in forest before we came in here to record. And you mentioned quite a concerning trend that you've noticed in the pharmacy recently. Yeah, you may be aware of it. Um, there is a new injection for weight loss that it's huge in America and it has come to Ireland now and it's extremely popular, which I find quite sad because as we said earlier, food should be enjoyed. Um, but a lot of people are really struggling with weight loss and um, feeling maybe desperate. Or- desperate and looking towards medicine, something to almost, it's not a quick fix, but the way I look at the weight loss injection is that if you're the wrong side of that mountain peak and you're climbing up, you need something to help get you over that peak and onto the right side of the slope. This is a good option for some people, but only in conjunction with lifestyle changes, you know, dietary changes, uh, more movement and exercise in and the deeper emotional, emotional and psychological work yeah, as well. Like the injection aims to decrease or suppress your appetite. But as we all know, when we binge on something that maybe we know is not healthy for us, uh, it's usually not because we're hungry. So The term emotional eating. Emotional eating, absolutely. So um, again, what you're saying is you can see how it could be useful in certain contexts. What you've noticed is there's a lot of people coming in for it that yeah. haven't done any sort of inquiry or exploration around diet or making changes. To yeah, and, and there is um, this movement towards that weight loss injection uh you know, it, it's been widely celebrated for a lot of people, but as I said, it needs to be done in conjunction with healthy nutrition, uh, a healthy diet, you know, educate yourself. And the psychological, emotional support yeah. and the kind of deeper inquiry. Deeper I know inquiry. I, Even therapy, like, you know, not to be afraid to speak to somebody, like, it goes so deep. Yeah, um, and if you look at like it's this integrative approach, this holistic approach to the body, the mind-body connection, and to not just think of it as weight loss, but like health journey. I love that. Yeah. that and there's no end, there's no like static end point of no. perfect health that anyone reaches. It's yeah. dynamic and changeable. Um, when we look at our environments and even social context over the last number of years, you know, we're confronted by so much volatility and change constantly. So our body's requirements also are incredibly dynamic. So, yeah. so there's ne- we're never going to land on that. This is the right way. I'm perfect. Absolute, <laughs> or, or even the absolute right way to eat it because everything's always... Yeah, and you need changing. to listen to your body as well and what your needs are. Um, after the pandemic, we saw a huge increase um, in prescriptions for antidepressants and also for people being diagnosed with type 2 diabetes, which is concerning and it just it reflects on, you know, where our society might be at and um, highlights the importance of human connection. Um, and with the pandemic, with lockdowns, like people did that isolated and that ne- negatively impacted some people's health. And compounded these underlying yeah. factors. So, so, so what I love about what you mentioned earlier about the social connection and the food, how how really like eating and enjoying delicious food, weaving in more of these anti-inflammatory foods yeah. doesn't have to be absolute, doesn't have to feel like you're self-sacrificing, yeah. but ways that you can 
amalgamate all these different threads. Yeah, so maybe invite someone over, you know, to try a new recipe. Um, Stir fried the tacky mushrooms. Throw a bit of turmeric in there for the anti-inflammatory spice. No garlic if you want some kissing. (laughs) Um, If we start with breakfast. Mm -hmm. So one example I would see with smoothies, for example, a lot of people are familiar with smoothies these days. They're quick and easy. However, a lot of people tend to make them very high in fruit content and maybe with yogurt or dairy as a base. So some simple ways to make it healthier and more anti-inflammatory would be to add a high quality fat and protein and maybe even some superfoods. So an example of that would be adding in a spoon of nut butter, half an avocado, um, adding in maybe even some kale. Um, and we spoke about Asian mushrooms earlier, a little half teaspoon of Asian mushroom powder, which you can get in. Of course, it won't be the same as the whole food, but nonetheless, we'll still have very healthful properties. Yeah, you're getting loads of phytonutrients. Loads of phytonutrients. Yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to start your day off well. <laughs> With a, a little kick and, of course, raw cacao. And if you can get a little bit of the raw chocolate powder in there, that's absolutely fabulous as well. Yeah, like it should be enjoyed and Ex- fun. You know, experiment with it. I love yeah, yeah. Um, making it delicious and different all the time. I have a friend, Frederick, from Sweden, and he's just a, a master in the kitchen. He never makes the same meal twice. He's oh, always, wow. always experimenting. It's, it's very inspiring. So other things like our juices can be a quick, easy way for people that can be time consuming. Um, porridge, really adding on elements to porridge. Do you have any favourites? Pimp your porridge. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I love my porridge and I love adding, trying new things. Like last week, I added a bit of cinnamon and turmeric later to my porridge. I never think of turmeric. I was a bit nervous and it was turning yellow. <laughs> so I was quite nervous, but I, I had a bit of peanut butter in there as well. Oh. And uh, I don't remember what fruit, apples, maybe blueberries. Oh, um, it was delicious. Did you brush your teeth after? Yes. <laughs> my mom was a dentist, so I did not want to go to work with yellow teeth. She was making yellow teeth. That's the full of turmeric. Stains, and, then, <laughs> and then flax seeds if, if you're adding flax seeds to your porridge just making sure you mill them so that you can get those amigas mm, yeah. yeah that's it's another really good source yeah um, and then for lunches I find and this was an absolute win for me a few years ago when I started making soup on a Sunday and I thought making homemade soup was a big deal in terms of time and energy but once you do it once or twice and get into the rhythm you'll have a a meal for three or four days yeah. obviously depending how many are in the household yeah. and again delicious combinations um yeah. delicious fresh vegetable um tomato you can make asian mushroom soups yeah and um, there's a whole host so that's a great lunch quick versatile easy lunch option and if you're like me and a little bit uh sometimes nervous in the kitchen or not sure of my cooking skills. I got a soup maker thing. And tell me, what's the it, difference? It looks like a kettle, and you literally throw everything in, fill the water up to the line, throw in your stock cube, and press the button on top and walk away. Oh, amazing. And when you come back, you have soup. Well, there you go. So great. <laughs> um, and then salads, of course. I think we can be a bit default again to sameness in the salad yeah. department for a lot of people, especially. In Ireland, we can go for our iceberg lettuce, tomato, cucumber yeah. combo, but really branching. Yeah, the customer is also, when you mention salad and they're, like, they think you're going to be telling them to eat rabbit food, like carrot sticks and lettuce, like, 
salads can be so delicious. Like you just need to make colorful, you know, different textures, different crunches. Yeah. Throwing some nuts in there changes it. So delicious. Uh, yeah. And I love that you added color there because that was a piece we didn't mention earlier with the anti-inflammatory diet, phytonutrients. A key part of it is varying the fruits and veg you eat because certain phytonutrients are more dense in, in certain colored fruit and veg. Yeah. And if you vary the color or what many people would have heard eating a rainbow, mm-hmm. it's actually rooted in hard science because the, you'll get a greater, let's say, spectrum of these phytonutrients and they have a synergistic effect when we consume them. And it's really, again, much more effective and supportive of that homeostasis. So there's actually a challenge. Some people may have heard of it called the clergy plant challenge oh, yeah. and so instead of eating your five a day and just focused on five a day if you then have an inclination towards being samey like myself yeah. when you eat the same veggies the 30 plant challenge really challenges you to explore different fruits and yeah. veg different herbs and spices and yeah. get a bit more adventurous so that might be something for people to check to try yeah going to Aldi or Little they're great to have like sometimes I'm I don't even know what the vegetable is and I'm like, let's try that and see what happens. <laughs> this is totally new. Yeah, these my little cousin from Passion Fruit this morning. She'd never seen them before. I was like, oh, it's so lovely. Yeah. <laughs> seen her eat it for the first time and her little nose squinching. It was all better. Yeah. Um, but it was lovely. Um, when it comes to dinners, I mean, like, we could have a series, never mind <laughs> the next two minutes to talk about it. But uh, things like you instantly lit up when you mentioned like stir fries are yeah. such a quick and easy and great way, versatile way to um, get lots of anti-inflammatory foods. Um, and just generally some plant-based recipes. Yeah, to explore more plant-based recipes and kind of get away from that traditional, like especially in Ireland, it's like a meat, potato and veg. And that's like the way a lot of us would have grown up. That was always your staple dinner. But you don't have to have meat in every meal. And I'm not saying you have to be vegetarian or anything, but, um, you know, don't be opposed to a recipe that does just because it doesn't contain meat. Like, just be open to trying new recipes. And I do think, I do think, as you say, that a lot of people are already moving that direction, yeah. eating for their own nutritional requirements because um, it helps them feel better, but also eating because of the environmental mm-hmm. impact and making choices based on what their food uh, selection, uh, the knock-on effect they have on their communities and the environment. And the climate, the yeah. Climate. But also uh, another thing we didn't mention uh, was like pulses, beans, lentils. Uh, those types of food are so full of protein. But they're actually quite cheap. Um, so from a financial point of view, I like I'm often just cooking for myself and it's actually much cheaper to to eat a plant-based meal than buying meat and um, absolutely yeah. so some people might tend to feel eating healthier costs a lot more mm-hmm. and in certain ways it can yeah but there are also many ways to save a lot of money a lot yeah by by wild informed choices yeah. when it comes to and the, again a lot of the recipes the plant-based recipes your meals will be colorful and there is definitely a link with it making you feel better mentally as well when you look at your meal and you see as you said earlier a rainbow of colors like it does make you feel better you know um, Prozac capsules used to be like blue and almost glittery um like you would look at it and instantly feel better just because it was so pretty so there was research research into the design of these pills 
and the effect that has just like it, it was beautiful. an antidepressant tablet to make you feel better and then you pop it out and it's like blue and sparkly it's not like that anymore but it used to be like like okay. that that's really interesting yeah. but i guess there is a whole industry based on you know making food look beautiful yeah. and a whole, whole cuisine yeah um yeah that's so interesting so look there's lots of simple tips there i know it's very light touch in in the short time we have together today but for people to explore this more, there's so much open source, free, accessible content online. Yeah. Um, so just exploring anti-inflammatory recipes. Yeah. Um, there's cookbooks out there with different authors. And of course, as we mentioned earlier, Dr. Andrew Wiles um, webpage yeah. um, on the anti-inflammatory diet. He also has a podcast series called Body of Wonder. It wouldn't be as good as our podcast. <laughs> I'm only joking. <laughs> but you could have a look at that too it's available on spotify that is an amazing podcast yeah. it's actually one of my favorite i haven't listened in a couple of months but i was uh yeah a regular listener like yeah. fascinating topic yes i'm known in work as like being the h2o sheriff so we haven't mentioned anything about water consumption so just before we leave i feel like i have to say it um just to make sure you are drinking plenty of water um, every day because from a health point of view dehydration causes a lot of um disruption disruption headaches lack of concentration low energy you know it's a very sim we're very lucky to have access to clean water um in ireland so you know make use of it and yeah. appreciate it and drink it um liz it's been just such a joy to chat to you today thank you so much for your time and uh very much hope that the listeners have benefited from the conversation and there's so much resources on the Zebo Health website that if people want to look into other trainings, other content that we have around these uh, healthy eating protocols, there's plenty there to dive into. Thank you for your time. Thank you so much for having me.